All this water needs to get to the sea, but natural choke points, where the river narrows, slows the flow in this valley. We call this the bathtub effect, where water backs up and starts filling the floodplain because there is only one plug hole letting water out. That's part of a voiceover from a film clip associated with a story from the Australian Geographic written by climate scientist Joel Gerges. The headline of the story is Australia is a land of flooding rains, but climate change could be making it worse. Yes, welcome to this latest episode of Climate Conversations. I'm your host, Robert McLean. This podcast is assembled here in Shepparton in Northern Victoria, Australia, on the lands of the Yorta Yorta people. Yes, the stolen lands of the Yorta Yorta people, and I pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Before I go any further, I urge you to follow this podcast, because if you do that, every time I publish a new episode, you'll be automatically alerted. Let's hear now the rest of that voiceover from the Joel Gerger story. Most major floods in the Hawkesbury Nepean Valley begin with high rainfall during east coast lows. But why are floods here so large and deep? What makes this valley have one of the highest flood dangers in all Australia? Five major tributaries act like taps, pouring water into the valley during a flood. While every flood is different, the Warragamba River contributed up to 70% of the water in major floods that happened in the past 60 years. The other tributaries typically make smaller contributions. All this water needs to get to the sea, but natural choke points, where the river narrows, slows the flow in this valley. We call this the bathtub effect, where water backs up and starts filling the floodplain because there is only one plug hole letting water out. Because water is confined in this small valley at Wallachia, the worst flood here reached depths around 20 metres above normal river levels. Further downstream, the floodplain at Penrith and Emu Plains is created by the next choke point. Because Penrith has naturally high riverbanks, which hold the river back, low-lying areas around Emu Plains and Peachtree Creek are affected first. However, extreme floods in the past have reached as far east as Woodruff Street in Penrith, where the river was 12 metres above normal levels. Further downstream, the next choke point is caused by a series of gorges starting at Sackville. Because the Richmond-Windsor floodplain is relatively flat and wide, floodwaters spread quickly across a vast area. In the worst flood on record, here the river reached 19 metres above its normal level. Floodwaters back up into creeks in the valley and flood islands form as floodwaters rise. It's this bathtub effect that makes floods in the Hawkesbury Nepean so devastating. This is why it's important to respond when you're told to evacuate. The last major flood was in 1990. It will flood again in the Hawkesbury Nepean Valley. The risk is real. Do you know your flood risk? You'll find a link to the Joel Gerger story in the show notes. Our next story comes from The Conversation and is written by Andrew King, who is a senior lecturer in climate science at the University of Melbourne. 
His story has the headline, Global Warming to Bring Record Hot Year by 2028, probably our first above 1.5 degrees Celsius limit. Andrew's story begins. One year in the next five will almost certainly be the hottest on record, and there's a two in three chance a single year will cross the crucial 1.5 degrees Celsius global warming threshold, an alarming new report by the World Meteorological Organization predicts. The report, known as the Global Annual and Decadal Climate Update, warns if humanity fails to address greenhouse gas emissions to net zero, increasingly worse heat records will tumble beyond this decade. So what's driving this bleak outlook for the next five years? As expected, El Nino, on top of the overall global warming trend, will likely push the global temperature to record levels. Andrew King's article continues. Has the Paris Agreement already failed if the global average record temperature exceeds the 1.5 degrees Celsius threshold in one of the next five years? No, but it will be a stark warning of what's in store if we don't quickly reduce emissions to net zero. Next we have a voiceover from a story from Euronews Green which has the headline, Fact Check. Is Europe the only part of the world that has reduced its greenhouse gas emissions? And you'll find a link for the story in the show notes. Last Thursday, during a presentation on how to re-industrialize France, the President Emmanuel Macron urged the EU to pause new environmental regulations, saying the 27-member bloc had already done far more than other major economies. Have a listen. Moi, j'appelle à la pause réglementaire européenne. Maintenant, il faut qu'on exécute. Il ne faut pas qu'on fasse de nouveaux changements de règles parce qu'on va perdre tous les acteurs. It's an announcement that prompted quite a lot of criticism, especially from left-wing politicians as well as environmental groups. For example, Manuel Bompard, a French left-wing politician, tweeted, climate change doesn't take a break. This request is irresponsible. However, Roland Lescure, who's the French minister representing the industry as sector, defended Emmanuel Macron, saying Europeans emit much less than the population of China, the US, as well as India. He also claimed the EU is the only part of the world to have reduced its greenhouse gas emissions over the past 20 years. So is that true? Well, the first thing that we looked at is which countries are the largest greenhouse gas emitters in the world per capita. And according to a UN report published in 2022, the US is the largest greenhouse gas emitter with over 14 tons of CO2 emitted per capita, followed by Russia 13 tons per capita, then China at 9.7 tons. So the EU is still one of the largest emitters, placing sixth with 7.2 tons per capita emitted, while the world average is approximately 6.3 tons per capita. So contrary to what the French industry minister announced, well, the EU emits three times more greenhouse gases than India. However, what's true is that the EU is one of the rare parts on Earth to have reduced its greenhouse gas emissions since uh, the 90s. So these have decreased approximately by 24% for the European Union, according to the World Bank. The U.S.'s greenhouse gas emissions have increased by 3.7% over the past 30 years. China, on the other hand, saw its emissions increase by nearly 300% during the same time period. India saw a rise of 178%. 
So it's true that Europe is still moving faster than other countries when it comes to decreasing emissions. However, a United Nations report released in 2021 found that even if every country in the world pledged to reduce its greenhouse gases, well, the planet would still see an increase in temperature of 2.7 degrees Celsius by the end of the century, leading to what they say would be catastrophic changes unless countries definitely transformed their economies. Melbourne University Publishing have just released a new book entitled What Birdo Is That? The book is written by Lily Robin and here she discusses a new book. So really what I was doing when I was little was I was watching the people who watch the birds and that's what this book's about. A lot of fun to to look at why people look at birds and and why they care. I guess I'm, I'm really trying to get at why people care about it and how how caring about birds might be one way, a small way we can contribute to making life better for life other than humans. Extinction is something that is forever and big, but it's also, there's local extinctions. You knew there were lots of birds here five years ago, and now there's a suburban development, and it's all concrete, and there's no trees, so there's no birds. Just taking notice of where you are precisely in the world might change the world. That's, I guess, that's the, the, the sort of ideas that come through this sort of book. <laughs> the publication of this book coincides with World Environment Day, June 5. Join me now as we shift to an article from Climate Code read by David Spratt. The headline for the story is James Hansen's New Climate Bomb. Are today's greenhouse gas levels enough to raise sea levels by 60 plus metres. The story begins, Professor James Hansen is sometimes affectionately referred to as the godfather of modern climate science. So when he drops a bomb, there's bound to be shock and awe. And that's what has happened with the recent release by Hansen and his colleagues of a draft new paper, which finds that the climate is much more sensitive to increases in greenhouse gas than generally thought. This new analysis means that the current level of greenhouse gases, if maintained, would be enough in the longer term to melt all ice sheets and push up sea levels by more than 60 metres. Coming up soon are a couple of events about 80 kilometres south of Shepparton. One is the Swanpool Environmental Film Festival, which is on Saturday, June 17, starting at 1 o'clock. Session 1 of that event features Sue Libish, who is the CEO of Winton Wetlands and Short Films, Rights of Nature, a global movement. Then session two features Professor David Caroli, who is from the University of Melbourne and the Climate Council of Australia, and the film is Greenhouse by Just. Session three is the Strathbogie Forest presentation in the film The Giant. I'll put a link to that event in the show notes. Also coming up on Sunday, June 11, is an event at Duroa. It will be Fungal Connections to Flora and Fauna. It has the latest insights into the wood wide web, how plants and fungi communicate with each other, dependencies between mammals and fungi and plants, special orchid fungi partnerships. Six speakers include botanists, ecologists, mycologists and researchers. I'll put a link to the event in the show notes. It starts at 9am and runs through to 3pm. Please check out the show notes. 
We've reached the end of this episode of Climate Conversations. Thanks so much for your company. It's been great to have you along. Now, please don't forget, you'll find all the links I've mentioned in the show notes, and there'll be many more. As I've often said before, we've gone from drought to deluge with climate stories, and so you'll find many more in the show notes. Also, if you enjoy this episode, please feel free to share it with your friends. In fact, I'd love you to share it with your friends as it's important that we all know all we possibly can about the climate crisis, what we should do and how we should combat it. Also, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to know what you think about this podcast, what you think I should be doing, who I should be talking to. And so you can contact me via email at number 7 at iCloud.com. So until we meet again, please take care, stay safe, and please be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. 